Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hey, so this morning we are on week two of our generosity, extravagant generosity series. So this is a time that Pastor Noe talks about finances. It's a time that we talk about giving. It's a time we talk about this morning we're going to look at the tithe. If you say, what in the world is the tithe? I hope by the end of this sermon you understand what the tithe is. Uh, it, It kind of is somewhat of an outdated word. It's not a word we use all the time. We talk about giving. We talk about a blessing. But the word tithe, it, it is an Old Testament word. Uh, We're going to look at it and bring some highlight to what it actually meant, uh, realizing that it is the finance principle that God used in Scripture. So this last week, I challenge you to be generous. How many of you were generous with the $20 budget I gave you? How many of you are still sitting on that $20? Right? I want to encourage you to be generous. You have to do it on purpose. You can't you just sit there and say, Lord, I pray for an opportunity to be generous. I want to be generous and do nothing. Being generous requires something of you. So I would, I would still challenge you to that. If you still have that $20, look for an opportunity. You go out to eat today. You know, if you're like, I don't know what to do, give an extra $20 to your hostess. You see a little kid fumbling around with a candy machine trying to get one quarter from his mom give that kid a $20 bill what's that for we just want to bless you in an extravagant kind of way and show you the love of Jesus it ain't hard to give $20 away if you pay attention to it got me so next week don't be sitting on that $20 bill give it somewhere so I cleaned up my definition this week of extravagant generosity because as I was thinking about I was like man that is just a hard definition to understand but this is what extravagant generosity is it's lacking restraint and giving more than necessary or expected while being kind and generous so if you say, what, what, what is the heartbeat of this series? What is the heartbeat of this message? This is what the heartbeat of it is. Lacking restraint, giving more than is necessary or expected, while being kind and generous. So we're encouraged in Scripture to excel in the grace of giving. Do we all agree with that? Uh, if you say, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't here last week. You can go to our podcast. You can go online to our Facebook page, and you can re-listen to the message. You can re-look at um, all the content so you can be up to speed. But we talked about last week the, uh, the, the, the mandate to be generous, excelling in the grace of giving. God wants us to be extravagant givers in all we do, in, in everything that we have. 2 Corinthians 9.11, it says, God desires uh, to, to really meet, uh, meet our needs, but also provide enough that we can be generous on which occasion? Every single occasion. 2 Corinthians 9.6-7, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7, it says, Each man should give, and I want to focus on that, should give, What he or she has decided in in his or her heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when I'm talking about giving, the Bible is very clear on being generous. Hopefully we can all agree on that. Can we agree on that? Okay, if we can agree on that, I can move forward with this next part of this series. So when we we look at our, our time, our talent, and our treasure, 
All of those are important. Right? The, the time that I commit, sometimes my time is more valuable than my treasure because I only have so much of it. But also, I have talents sometimes. Now, this morning, everybody on this platform, you saw people using and giving and sharing of their talent. It requires something. A lot of them beat me to church this morning. When I showed up, all the vehicles were already there. They already had the air on. They were already getting tuned up, getting polished, ready to go. There was a requirement and an expectation, but there was a giving of that talent. It honors God just as much as our finances when we find out what our talent is and we use it for God. What if we refuse to use our talent? I feel like when we do that, the world messes out. We, they, don't get to, they don't get to be blessed by the gift, by the talent, by what God has actually put within them. But if we each use what God has put in us, guess what? We all benefit from it. We are all blessed by it. It's something that God gives us with really other people in mind. The gift and the talent that God gives us, it was never to make ourselves look good, but it was to glorify and encourage each other. That's what it's all about. We know what time looks like. We know what overtime looks like. We know what time and a half looks like, right? We live it. So our time, our talent, but what about our treasure? So last week we looked at this, this example from last week. And, and, and I believe that as we go through this series, it will make more and more sense. So we talked about what the tithe is. It's an act of obedience. Okay, And we're going to really clarify that a lot more today, that, that the tithe is an act of obedience. That means that's something that Scripture has told us we need to do. So I started thinking about that. I said, okay, so a tithe is an act of obedience, but what if we don't do it? Then perhaps it's an act of disobedience. I'm going to just push that towards you before we jump into this. An offering, it's an act of generosity. Well, somebody said, yeah, man, I'm generous, I give. What happens when we are not givers and we don't, we don't give offerings? Well, then perhaps we could be selfish. We move that year. Because we've we got to think of if we're not one, we're going to be something else. Why would we not give offerings? Well, maybe I'm selfish. Why do I not give a tithe? Because I don't believe it to be true or I know it's true and I don't want to. Right? And then a kingdom, a kingdom builder, it's one who gives generously to make an eternal impact. It, ha it has a kingdom perspective. It's focusing not on just this life, but the life to come. So the tithe is what God has established. We have to realize, what is the tithe? What is this significant? How many of you have never heard the word tithe? Anybody? Everybody's heard the word tithe then. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go sit down. I'm just playing. We're going we're gonna to just go a little bit further because I think we may have heard it, but do we understand what it is and how does it apply to us or does it not apply to us? I think how you, your perspective, your thoughts towards it is going to determine what you do. Okay, so the tithe is what God has established to support his church and provide the resources to accomplish all that he desires us to accomplish as the church. Because it's not just to keep the lights on, it's just not to have good instruments, but there is things that God designed the church to do and to be, to really catapult others to be able to do kingdom work. Do you know traditional missions doesn't work without the support of a local church? If you talk to missionaries, most missionaries are either personally supported or church supported. If you remove the church's investment in missions, we no longer have reach into the mission field. That's part of the church's responsibility. Well, how does this work? Wow, glad you asked. It comes from the tithe. 
The tithe takes care of our needs. It also takes care of the needs of others. But it also allows us to say yes to whatever God asks us to do. So th- this organization, this anti-youth or uh, this anti-violence uh, youth ministry, we already gave them a little bit of love offering to pay for the food. You know, one thing that they shared with me that was uh, a little concerning, uh, which I could feel a little bit of the frustration in talking to them, they said, you know, we've always had people make false promises and never show up. They didn't know who they were talking to that day. I said, oh, I'm here because we're going to show up and we're going to show out. And I said, before we leave, I can already commit to $300 to help with food. So we're, putting, we're, we're, we're getting invested in what we're doing. We're not going to say we're going to do something and not do it. When we communicate something from the platform that we commit to as a church, we're going to do it. Let, let me show you something real quick. So this week as I was preparing, and we're at the end of the year, so we're looking at all our financial figures for next year. How many of you heard me say last week that I wanted to plan a church personally out of my personal finances? How many of you heard me say that? Okay, so check this out. I was crunching numbers this week, and there, there's different ways that pastors can use their money. There's a housing allowance, and a housing allowance is actually reserved for, it replaced a parsonage. I don't want to get you too confused with that, but it's something that I set aside anyway that I really can't use for anything except housing expenses. So what that is, is that's gone money. I can't take it and go over here and, I mean, I guess I could buy an Xbox housing, but I wouldn't buy an Xbox but, like, it has, to, it has to be for a church fund. So I was looking at that. Well, all, well, I feel like these past few years we've kind of overshot that a little bit. And so I was looking at it. And this was before I was thinking about the church planning. I was just working through my personal finances. And I said, you know what? We should reduce that by 250 So I said, okay. So if I take out 250 and I didn't tell you guys, but to plan a church costs $3,000. So what is 250 for all you mathematicians? 250 times 12. What's the number? 3,000. So God showed me a way to do it where I wouldn't even feel it, but I'd be able to honor and do what was in my heart to do. And guess what? It's going to be easy. So what I'm telling you, God will give you the strategy and the know-how when you yield your resources to him. But the tithe, our finances, all of them, we have to realize that the money that God gives us, we are to steward that with utmost excellence. To say, Lord, what can I do with everything you give me? So, so the tithe, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, it's just a fraction of the big part of what we bring in. But realize, the tithe is what God has established to support the church and also do the things that are in, our, in, the, in God's heart. Our personal finances are exactly the same way. All right? So today, I want you to first and, and foremost understand the heartbeat of the tithe. If you leave this morning and you're like, I got to give, and they're just super strict, and they're being mean about it. You are missing the whole thing. But what should our perspective on the tithe be? The tithe is, is I give not because I have to, but because I get to. And when my children ask me, Dad, why do we give? And you know what? Sometimes I show them how much I give. And they look at it and say, Daddy, that's a lot of money. But then I segue that conversation. I said, Son, daughter, you know why we give? Because let me tell you what God did. He gave us the greatest gift. And I love talking about this during Christmas time because we're thinking about gifts and we're thinking about Christ and, you know, his birth and all of these things. But it is a good time to focus on, you know what, I don't give because I have to, but I give because I want to. And then I tell him, say, you know what, daddy wasn't always a good person. I wasn't the man that you see today. 
I was selfish and I did things that didn't please God. But when I found Jesus and, and I realized what he did for me, I, and he didn't withhold anything from me, but he gave me everything, your daddy realized that the least that I can do is give him what the Bible calls the tithe. It's that simple. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. And the attitude, like Donald was saying, attitude changes everything. We talked about that scripture. Don't give in grumbling and complaining and out of obligation or because I have to. Give because you want to. If you don't want to give, don't give. You're saying don't give, Pastor? Yeah, if your motive and your heart is not right, make sure your heart's right first. All right. So let's look a little bit closer this morning on what the Bible says about the tithe. So we're going to look at Malachi 3. 6 through 12, that is the last book of the, of the Old Testament. If you're like, where in the world is Malachi? And we're going to look at verse 6 in chapter 3. Uh, I'm just going to share this whole passage of content with you, and then it's going to be yours to chew on. And we're going to break it down a little bit more, but I want the Scripture to speak for itself. I could sit up here and I could persuade you to give into what I think you should do, but it's a lot easier when I just say, Here's what the, here is the finance principle that the Scripture has established for you. Okay, so in verse 6, and he starts out, this is a powerful statement. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And they were confused about that because that would be kind of weird if God told you that. Hey, return to me. I'm like, Lord, I'm here. I didn't go anywhere. But what did he say? He says, but, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere, mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he goes on to say here, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9, listen to the wordage here, strong words. It says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Verse, verse 11, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops, and the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then your ancestors will call you blessed, and yours will be the delight of the land, says the Lord God Almighty. So when we look at that passage, there is so many things in that passage that really are good things, but there is a requirement that has, has to be made. But when we, that first part of that passage... You may argue and you may debate and you say, that's Old Testament law, should we uphold to it? Well, I think it's, it's interesting that the first thing he said in that passage is, I, the Lord your God, do not change. You know, and I think we tend to have an Old Testament God mentality and we have a New Testament God mentality and we try to think that he's different. He's the same, but under grace, he just increased the requirement in a lot of things. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But it says that you are robbing me in how? In tithes and offerings. And then he just doesn't say, hey, you need to align that. But he says, no, you are actually under a curse. And not just you, but the whole nation. Whoa, buddy. So you mean if Pip don't tithe, that could affect me? Huh? said the whole nation. Now, I don't know if that was a few of them not tithing or most of them were tithing, but somebody wasn't tithing. And it caused issues for the whole nation. Interesting. But then we look at that, it says bring how much of the tithe? It says bring the whole tithe. It doesn't say bring a partial, bring a percentage, bring a percentage of a percentage. It says bring the whole tithe. And what is the reasoning? 
It says, that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. And then we read all the fun stuff. I'll bless you. I'll, I'll prevent the devourer from, from robbing you. I'll, I'll cause your fruit to, to ripen and not fall to the ground prematurely. But we, we see the provision side of that. But there's a requirement. Luke 6, 38. Um, now this passage, <coughs> it talks about, you know, this. I really believe this is a sowing and reaping passage. Um, but it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now, this can be arguments, this can be fighting, this can be bickering, but this can be financial too. To the measure that you use it, it will, there, there, there's, it's, it's called, I call this the boomerang passage. Whatever you, however you throw it, it's going to come back. It's a sowing, it's a reaping. But when we look at this principle of where it says, it's kind of some weird wordage, isn't it? It says, it says you know, shaking together, running over. So this wordage in this passage was used during times of harvest when collecting and bringing in the harvest. It says, you know, in good measure, it says press down. So they would have these, these buckets, these containers that they would gather in the harvest and they would press it down. They would push it deep into there. Then they would shake it to let it all settle. And then they would make sure that that barrel was overflowing before they took it in. Let me tell you a quick little example. I remember when I was at, this was probably elementary. Well, we had a movie day at school. And our teacher said, hey, you're gonna build, you can build a container to hold your popcorn. So Pastor Noah, at the time, my goal was to get as much popcorn as possible. So like, so I started thinking, I'm going to build this popcorn boat. I'm going to build this huge thing as big as I can. Because the teacher said, whatever we build, they would fill it. So I built this thing. It looked kind of like an upside-down hat. So guess what? When the teacher came around and started pouring that popcorn out, I practiced this principle. I started pushing it down. I started shaking it. Well, what happened? That popcorn kept settling. And she looked at me. She says, now, Noe, that's enough. I said, uh-uh. It ain't full yet. But I knew the principle of, you know, man, making sure it's settled, making sure I got everything. But sometimes we get what we build. Let's say I just hold my hand up. Well, I got a few little kernels. That was great. But I built in an anticipation of a great outpouring. Because I knew that what I, that which I prepared for, God would honor. Teacher says she's bringing the popcorn. So I got the popcorn boat ready. So this word really gives us the connotation that, that when, when we see the word bring, have you ever noticed that word? It says, bring me the tithe. It doesn't say, give me the tithe. It says, bring me the tithe. If I tell my children, bring me my soda, that is because it is already mine. Now, shame on them if they drink that soda before it gets to me, but we're guilty of that. Sometimes we take what we think is shareable, but it's really God's. we got to realize what is God's and what is ours. Now, when we look at this model and we look at the principles that God has in Scripture, He is a generous God. He doesn't jip us. He doesn't withhold us, but He has an expectation. He has a standard. He has rules. Now, we have to realize that all of these rules, therefore, are protection. They are God's boundaries of safety they will cause us to be successful in everything we do but you got to apply the rules you know how many always put a safety belt on right we don't always want to i hate doing it on sundays because it wrinkles my shirt so i'm like holding it like this and my kids are like what are you doing trying not to wrinkle my shirt because i wanted to put my shirt on before i got here but you know that's there for our safety you know 
very rarely do you need the safety belt. But God forbid you get in a wreck and you didn't have the safety belt on. And if you've ever, you know, I brake check my kids every now and then. You know what that is? If your dads have never done that, let them get a little bit bigger. Don't do them when they're babies. But you brake check, you hit that brake, and I said, did the safety belt work? And they're like, yeah, Dad. Catches them right there. Or if it's wrong, huh? You know, my kids tend to put it all of the little ones under their arm. Hey, yeah, you're supposed to wear that right. You know, but it's there for our safety. We got to see the things that God puts in scripture for our safety, for our protection. It's for your best interest. So this whole message today, it is for you. But let me tell you what, I live by it and my life is richly blessed. And it would not benefit you for me to hold this inside and not tell you some of the greatest things that I've learned in the area of finance and giving and honoring God with my tithe. Okay? So the, the tithe, if it was not his or if it was at their disposal, they wouldn't have been cursed for it. They wouldn't have gotten trouble. They wouldn't have, there would not have been the words that he used unless they were doing something wrong. Okay? But we see that he says, you are robbing me by not giving your tithes and your offerings. Now, in this passage, I'm going to try to highlight as many things as I can as we go. Notice it's in the plural form. It says tithes with an S and offerings with an S. It's an ongoing expectation of giving. You can't give a tithe once and expect it to work for a lifetime. It's something that has to be continually given on a regular basis. It's a first fruits principle of where we give God our best. We give God our first. We give God up front, trusting God to ensure the rest, to protect the rest, to bless the rest. And we look at that passage, can a Christian be cursed? Have you ever thought of that? Now, I'll have people that will go toe-to-toe with me say, as a Christian, you can't be cursed. So you're telling me all of these... Bible, Israelites, people of God were all heathens and didn't know God? I mean, I'm sure some of them didn't know God, but I'm sure most of them did. He was holding them accountable to tithe and offering, which is a Christian principle. But yes, he says, you will be cursed. So I want us to focus on the word cursed in regards to your finances. Not your whole life. Not like, oh, you're going to be cursed and got to watch out. Devil's going to be everywhere against you now. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the realm of finances. When we don't give God what's his, it has the potential to affect and curse our finances. I pray by the grace of God it don't bleed over. Because some of us would be guilty of not giving God what's his. So let's look at a Bible uh, example real quick. Joshua in verse 6 in Joshua 7, you don't need to turn there, but it talks about Achan's sin, where they, they attacked Jericho, and there was, a, there was a specific instruction given to the people. They said, do not take the devoted things. Well, I don't know what the devoted things was. It the tithe? Well, what it was, it was set apart as God's. That you are not to touch it, you are not to keep it in your possession. You are to take all of these things, all the devoted things, and take it to the treasury. You are not to have any of that in your possession. So if we look at this scripture, if you have time, go back and read through it. It's a scary thing. So they just, they just defeat Jericho, which we know the story of Jericho. They went around. They knocked the walls down in a shout. They took all the possessions. But there was one individual named Achan who took some of the devoted things, and he kept some for himself. You say, well, that's insignificant. Does it really matter that much? And you may even begin to justify, say, well, you know, we worked hard. I worked hard for this overtime. 
this time and a half. I'm just going to keep back just a little bit. If I'm stepping all over your toes, I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it two more times. And then we'll move on to something else. But you can't say, oh, well, I'm going to give God just of my straight time. But that overtime, God don't understand. I had to work hard for this. And it's Christmas time, and I need extra. So I'm going to keep some of the devoted things back, and I'm going to shortchange God. Or I'm going to be disobedient to what he's asked. But we look at what he did. He held back those devoted things. And what happened in there, it says, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. So Israel sinned, and they violated the covenant which God had commanded them to keep. They took the devoted things, they had stolen, they had lied, and they put them as, and they added them as their own possession. Now that's cool. You're like, hey, bad day to be uh, aching, but what happened? The next time they fought another war, they said, oh, this is a little army. It was, it was, the, it was, the, it was the battle of Ai, A-I, and they said, just send some people. It, it's not a big deal. They had just fought Jericho. So they're like, man, just send a few. They got their butts whooped. And it says that he tore his clothes and he said, God, what happened? Why did this happen? But one man's sin affected the whole army. You're like, so Pastor Noah, you're saying what I do affects you? Hope not. But when I look at this example, yeah. If we keep devoted things in our possession, it is going to cause calamity on the whole body. That's a scary thing. My sin affects your life. My withholding what is God's. If it is in my possession, you better get it out of your possession. If I know you got it, you got to get rid rid of it. If I would have walked up, can you imagine if somebody knew? And I don't know if anybody knew about it, but I mean, you know, he had a gold bar and he had this nice robe. Like I would have wanted to show somebody. I'd be like, hey, man, come here. Look look at this five pound gold bar. I would have put the robe on for you. See this robe? Okay, hey, man, let's get out of here because if he sees it, they're going to kill us. And I'm going to bury it back? Like, I mean, living life on the edge. But yet holding something that is God's, that is set apart for your own, the devoted things. So they go through this process, and you can, and it says, verse 15 of, of chapter 7, He who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. And then they find the guy. He's open and he's honest. They still kill him. And then they go back and fight the same people, and they, the victory is back on their side. You say, Pastor Noe, what does this have to do about tithe? Have to do with the tithe? Well, the tithe is a devoted thing. It's something that God has say set apart as this. This is mine. Bring this to me. This is mine and this is yours. The moment we say this is mine, God, but it's really God's, we are in dangerous territory. You say, Pastor Noe, you're going to scare me to tithing. I don't care what we need to do. I just want you to get a revelation of what, that it's a big deal to God. All right? So let's keep cruising. So anytime we have the devoted or sacred things in our possession that have been set apart for God, we got to get them out of our possession. You know, having less that is blessed is still better than having a whole, much, a whole, a whole bunch that is cursed. You got to realize that I don't care how much I got if it's cursed. It's, it's not, it's not going to be this long term. It, that is not the way to prosperity. I would rather have a little bit blessed than a lot that's cursed. I want my money working for me. I want, to, I want to have all of these things working in my favor. 
Now, let me give you a little bit of backstory because a lot of the tithes and all of those things, I want to give you some of the history so you know kind of where it's coming from. So if we look at Genesis 14, 18 through 20, don't turn to it, just you can note it down. There was a time that Abraham gave a tenth. So when we talk about the tithe, the number that the Bible uses is 10%. How many math people are in the room? Man, I'm going to have to really plank this out. How many non-math people are in the room? Ooh, I'm going to have to work hard on that finance principles next week. i bring the whiteboard out. Two plus two is? Five. Oh, my Lord. All right. So in that, in that Genesis 14, we know that in Genesis 14, this is pre-law. You agree with that? This is pre-law. So it says that Abraham gave a tenth of everything uh, to the king of Salem, uh, Melchizedek, you know, he wanted to honor him. You know, he blessed Abraham. So Abraham gave him 10% of everything. So there was something that God was working about this 10% way before the law. And then guess what? In the law, it said 10%. And then it just so happens in Malachi, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So here we are today with, is it still relevant to me? And is it still relevant to you? Because just because it was the Old Testament doesn't mean that we throw it away and we discard it in the New Testament. We can't say, oh, I don't like that part, or I don't agree with that, or it was Old Testament, it's not New Testament. Um, so this morning, the, the tithe preceded the law, and it was practiced under the law, but it should also be accompanied under the new covenant of grace. So when we look at Scripture, under the law of tithing, it was definitely the right thing to do. So would we say it's the wrong thing to do now under grace? kind of interesting way of thinking but some people think oh I'm not under grace anymore so I, I don't have to do that anymore so Romans 6 14 this is one of the main scriptures that people use to just say oh I don't have to do that anymore it says because you are no longer under the law but you are under grace I don't have to tithe anymore because I'm no one longer under the law you know in the in the in the law Old Testament it says thou shall not kill okay yeah you shouldn't kill anybody today right agreed <laughs> if you're thinking about it don't do it Still going to affect you today. It was an Old Testament law. But guess what? Under the New Testament, you know what it says? It says, now don't even hate your brother. Ooh, wait a minute. That's harder to do. Because for me to kill you, i got to really be mad at you. Agreed? But to hate you is achievable. You know that? You ever been, had somebody who gets right on that hate factor? And you got to get a heart check? And it's, but it, it, is, it is achievable to hate somebody, but not kill them. Even though you want to kill them, you know you can't kill them. But in the New Testament, under grace, God actually increases the, the requirement. He says, no, it used to be that if you kill them, but if you even have hate in your heart. So everything that we see under grace, it increases. It doesn't decrease. But guess what? I'm going to help you this morning because we are actually just going to apply the Old Testament law. And I'm going to stop at 10%. Because if you really look at all the rules and all of the things, when we talk about giving, people actually gave more about 30% than 10%. So Pastor Noe's going to give you a break, and we're just going to focus on 10%. That's good math for all you lack of math people. Only giving, having to give, required to give, the obedience of 10% is better than giving 30%. Got it? Okay. I was like, yeah, I'll trust you, Pastor. All right. So we realized that that passage, I, the Lord, do not change, that we're still under the, the, a new law, but we're still required. So what exactly does the tithe look like? What is the tithe exactly? The tithe is defined as a tenth of all of your increase. Now, I know in today's world that gets real kind of blurred, right? What do you mean increase? 
What if somebody, what if, what if the government just gives me a tax credit? <laughs> You're like, oh no, he's after that too. Is it increase? You got to determine the yes or the no. Like, you know, do, do, I, do I tithe off of my gross or do I tithe off of my net? Pastor, man, you put some hurting on me now. Like, what's the Bible say? Well, you want to you tithe when you get your income tax back or you want it to be covered already? That's the way I look at it. Just that's my personal opinion. If I've already tithed on everything I got, then whatever comes back, they were just holding it. But I've already tithed on that. Now, if you don't, you may consider tithing on when you get your income tax back, and that ain't no fun because that hurts a lot more. Agreed? I mean, you're like, man, getting all kinds of personal. But it's 10% of all your increase. Let's say I get, let's say I get an uh, inheritance check. Was well, that increase? I would say, yeah. Let's say you sell a big part of property. Well, I already bought that house. and da-da. It's increase. So you've got to de- determine how do you define increase. I'm not going to judge that, but you need to allow God to judge that, and you need to say, Lord, yes or no. But it, it's a 10% of, of all your increase. Um, also understand, a lot of people give offerings. Now, let me, let me clarify. So when we go back to that original illustration that a tithe is a, um, it's required, it's, what's the word I used? Going dead. It's a what? An act of obedience. Well, an offering is more just a, a heart of generosity. So, but what a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to be generous today. I'm, I'm going to give 100 bucks. Well, if you're giving 100 bucks, but your tithe is supposed to be 200, you haven't even given your tithe yet. You can't jump into your offering till your tithe requirement is met. Let me just put it that way. Because a lot of people, oh, I'm generous, Pastor. You know what I always go back to people that just like to give offerings? I say, well, put a percentage on it. That's fine. You can give offerings all day long. But is it close to the 10%? Why are you, so, why are you being so strict about this 10%? I don't know. That's the number that God used. But what I've noticed, people who are just generous in giving offerings, when you put a percentage to it, it is significantly less than 10%. I promise. Well, you don't understand. I was like, no, like I understand. I give a faithful tithe. It is very costly. The more money I make, the more it hurts. But the principle is the principle. 10% is 10%. But you can't give an offering until you give the tithe. An offering is anything above and beyond the tithe. I have to tell you this because if you don't understand what the tithe is, you'll take from your tithe pocket and you'll actually put it in your offering pocket, and you'll give it as an offering and not as a tithe. But the passage says, bring the whole tithe. It doesn't say bring the whole offering. It says bring the whole tithe. The tithe was the 10%. Well, what if it's 9%, Pastor Noe? Whole. I didn't set the standard, guys. I didn't put it in Scripture. I didn't say this is what the requirement is. I just want you to be aware of it. So we're going to get to the fun part in just a minute. You're like, man, like, Go home, forget this church stuff. You know, I'm gonna come back when you're done with this finance stuff. It's gonna get better, I promise. What I am giving you this morning is a key that will unlock the next step in your financial prosperity. You gotta hold on with me. You gotta see the standards that God has established. Because if we look at the rest of that scripture, and some of you need to go back and read it right now before you keep listening to my message, because you forget that He's gonna provide so much in your barn you can't contain it. You're gonna be called blessed. Like that's gonna be the result of meeting the requirement. All right, so we have to understand the tithe is the first fruits of our increase, okay? I need, I need help with an illustration. 
Who wants to help? Raise your hand. All right, you don't raise your hands. Man, as soon as y'all would have realized it involved money. Can we do it again? All right. So I do this illustration with my kids. So how do we communicate what the tithe is? So let's say Jim Giles worked hard all week. He worked really, really hard. There's $10. We're going to do easy math. So what would 10% of $10 be? $1. So let me see $1. So y'all realize y'all are tripping over the $1. Like it's so significant. Hold all that up for me real quick. I kind of fan it out a little bit. You think you're getting gypped with the 10%, but yet God gives you the opportunity to hold 90% in your hands. Now, we're going to look at next week that how you spend the 90% actually empowers this to be a blessing. And when you don't have enough, don't get mad at the 10% because the issue is with the 90. Y'all going to love that message because that's something that God gave me was revelation. Because I asked God, why is this always so hard for people to give this? Because they don't know how to manage that. You You learn to manage this, you can always give this in a way. So... So you're sitting there going through this, and God says, hey, thanks so much, man. You get to keep that. And you walk away a happy man. Keep it. Okay? It's okay. Like, I'm telling you, it's, you're going to be okay. We're right here. You're losing your religion over this. But God says, I've provided you with that. But do you realize everything we earn, God gives us the ability to earn it? He could sap my energy. He could kill my vocal cords right now, and then I don't know what to do. i got to realize that every gift and provision comes from God. Every good thing. All right. I'm going to give you a lot of illustrations this morning because I think illustrations and object lessons will help you remember things. The moment you're crying about the dollar, remember the $9. Okay? Just telling you that. Jim Giles walked away a happy man. And guess what? We've got to realize that everything God gives us, he gave it to us anyway. And we really don't work that hard. Some of us do work hard for our paycheck. But I'm saying most of the jobs I had, I don't work that hard. You ever had any of them, one of those jobs? <laughs> some of you are like, I live in that job. <laughs> right? I know some of you work hard for it. All right. So let's look at this. I'm, I'm going to give you one more. I'm actually going to give you two more illustrations. Uh, before I jump to this one, I need somebody to hold my $20 for just a minute. All right, come here. Hey, this one's all smile this time. Okay, I I need you to hold my $20 for a minute. This is my $20. I need you to hold it. I need you to take take care of it. Don't lose it. Don't spend it. This is my $20. You got it? All right, hold that for me. You can go sit back down. She's not going to like that illustration as much. All right, so let's go back over here. So, So we realize that in life, we all have finances. Some of us have more, some of us have less, but we have finances. But it talks about that when we rob God and and we don't give our tithe, what does it say happens to our finances? Well, it it goes down, but what are the words that it uses? A little louder? It uses the devourer. It's cursed. It says that he, but when we cover it with the tithe, it says he will actually prevent the pests from devouring it he will cause the fruit not to fall before it's ripe so what happens a finances without the covering of the tithe you know what it does it kind of punches holes in it 
It's like, Lord, I'm working hard. I'm working time and a half. I'm working hard, Lord. Man, why, why am I not providing? Why don't I have enough? And we realize that, that in our life, it's re- our finances are coming in, but, but it's really as, as, the, as we make more money and we give and we give and we give, we say, Lord, I don't understand why I've worked time and a half. I've worked as much as, as I can, that it seems like those are real poinsettias. I was just watering it. Uh, so, so, so we realize that they just keep seeping out. But you know what this looks like right here? This is the devourer. This is stuff breaking down. This is you buy an appliance and it breaks the first year. These are all of these things that you're like, why did this happen? And why did this happen? And why did this happen? Well, somebody that's continually falling on hardship where, where I'm kind of questioning, man, this is like curse caliber. Now, how many of you know bad things are going to happen, things are going to break, things are going to wear out? What I'm talking about is where it seems like you cannot catch a break. Well, I bought this, and I've saved more, and I, 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 just, I just can't make it. It seems like everything keeps breaking. Uh, and, and I've had this conversation where it's like, man, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, this happened. And as a pastor, i got to say, hey, uh, do you tithe? Why are you asking that? Call a curse, a curse, a curse. I don't know. Like, I mean, when I look at it and it is just, it feels like it's, it's this right here. And I said, Lord, is there something spiritual to this? Because we have to realize the spiritual practices affect the practical. So what has to happen? And you say, Lord, I don't know what to do with my finances. It, it seems like everything's leaking out. I don't know what to do. And he says, I've created the tithe. Well, what happens, the tithe actually covers the finances. And then when we cover the finances through the tithe, it removes the devourer. It causes things to be blessed. And guess what? When everything gets poured out, guess what? Hmm. Because now nothing seeps out. Because the tithe does what God says it does. And when this begins to overflow, guess what? Now my time and a half and my extra, I'm not going to do it because I guess I proved to already make a mess. But I would keep pouring this water. I'll do it right here. Oh, Jimmy Don, we're going to get close. I told him I had enough water. So now, it's just overflow. Hey, bring me another cup, brother. I can't contain it all. That's what the tithe does. Man, look at this. Man, it's causing all my finances to float to the top. I didn't practice that, but that's pretty cool. Uh, but that's, 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 what, that's what it does. When we give God what's his, look at this, man. Somebody's like, I'll take that. She can't hold that tithe down. <laughs> but when I see that and I realize that, I never want to go back. Man, you can even take that. Don't even look at it in a spiritual sense. That's just business sense. But it's so much spiritual sense. All right? So we got to realize that the more we intentionally give and we honor God at what he does, we pay God first. Uh, not the electric bill, not the phone bill, not the car payment, not the miscellaneous expense. I want to put God first in my finances and allow him to bless the rest. I don't want anything to seep out of any holes. That tithe covers that. Tithing is always a test from God to see if we really trust him for provision. It's easy to give to God at the end of the month when you know you got enough. But it's a faith thing to give up front and trust him to provide the resources you need to take care of everything you need. You got that? We have to realize that most stuff that we give God, or most stuff that God gives us is God's. Now, how many of you know the tithe is always God's? Where's my, where's my $20 bill? 
Can you bring it to me, please? She's all bummed out. But whose dollar bill is this? Well, it's God's, but it's mine, right? So did this hurt you to give it back to me if you knew it was already mine? But there's something inside of you that wishes I was going to give you the $20, right? Yeah? You guess. Well, don't lie. Everybody's like, man, I wanted to come here. Hey, don't leave. I'm a gracious, generous pastor. But I, I want you all to feel every emotion she just felt. Because if God gave this to you and he said, just hold it and then give it back to me. But this is just something God gives you and God wants you to give it right back. This is easy. But it's the moment we want to hold on to it and we think it's ours that now it's hard to give. Right? The life lesson thing would be not to give her this $20 back. But I'm going to give you the $20 anyway. Okay? Hey, that was not my 20. That might have been one of my kids' 20 that they were supposed to give this last week. So I'm helping my kids out. So we have to realize the tithe is like God saying, hey, hold my 20. And then once you get it, bring it to me. Why do we bring it? It says because he wants the storehouse being full. He wants us to be able to do everything that is in the heart of God to do. And he needs all of our resources to be able to do it. All right. So the tithe is established to provide provision for the Levites to do the work of the ministry in the temple, also to provide the needs of the people. You know, we, we take from the tithes and, yeah, we pay bills, but we have benevolence, this outreach stuff. There is so much provision available. When people give, how do you play in the kingdom? How do you invest in the kingdom? You honor God at what he, what he asks you to do, what he shows you to do. And then you're like, well, Pastor Noe, I'm not a kingdom guy. If you tithe at this church, I help you be a kingdom guy or a kingdom woman. We're investing those resources for you. I'm serious about that. But when we, the people of God, give to the church, the church is empowered to impact the kingdom, and God provides the resources for those in need. Uh, I kind of shared a little bit on my personal opinion of why the 10% is hard to give, why the 90% is so important. But I've always asked God, why 10%, Lord? Why did you pick 10%? Why did you not pick 80? Why did you not pick 90? Now, we're all thankful. He didn't say 80% or 90%. We, hey, I need some help, right? 10% is just enough that it hurts, but it's not enough to cripple. I learned that a long time ago when I didn't make that much money. How many of you know when you don't make much money? Like that $10, oh, I can get, Pastor, I'll give a dollar right now. Well, let's say you made 100 Now it's going to cost you 10 Well, let's say I make 1000 Well, now it's going to cost me 100 What if I make 10000 And it goes up and up and up. What if I make six figures? Start doing the math. It becomes more costly because you don't realize the significance of the requirement. I cannot, I can begin to withhold that and it cripples the whole system. Or I can remain faithful with that and I'll realize, man, my cup is always full. All right? This morning I want to look at a few statistics about tithers because I think it's important to understand the real logistics and details of it. So, uh, no, number one, they are 40% less likely to owe significant debt. 
They'll tell you, you know, there, there's just provision, there, there's, there's sustenance, there's more to work with. But statistics show that they're 40% less likely to owe significant debt. I'm not saying zero debt, significant, right? Next thing, eight to 10, uh, eight out of 10 people who give to churches have zero credit card debt. Glory to God. Like, I mean, that's a good thing. I'm going to talk a lot about that next week. Debt is not your friend, and that is not God's plan to invest in the kingdom. If you're in, into debt up to your eyeballs, it is going to be nearly impossible for you to make huge kingdom contributions. You will always be a slave to the lender, is what the scripture talks about it, rather than empowered to say, hey, how many of you ever heard the saying, cash is king? Right? And if you got it, you get to play at the king's table. If all you've done is borrowed it, well, you're slave to them until you own it. A lot of people say, oh, I own my house, I own my cars. Not really. Not until you got that deed paid in full in your hand, right? But I find that interesting that 8 out of 10 people have zero credit card debt. Uh, tithers, listen to this, tither, tithers only make up 10 to 25% of the congregation. <whistles> Pastor Noe, I'm going to start giving. That's statistics. Now, you know what? I think our church is higher than that. But I'm telling you, statistics, like this, this is everybody. This is the global church. This isn't saying, well, hold on, Pastor, I give. Well, keep on giving because we don't want to drop below the statistic. But that's the statistic. But that's humbling. When you look at that, you're like, seriously? You're telling me 10 to 25% of the whole church is funding everything the church is doing? Statistically, yes. All right. Um. Check this one out. People making $20,000 a year are eight times more likely to give than someone making an annual income of over $75,000. Oh. Well, Pastor Noah, you told me it hurts. The more we make, the harder it is to give. Well, statistics show that's true, and people respond accordingly. It's crazy, huh? Because I'll tell you what, I would be stingy when I got less more than when I got more in my mind. Because if I had to live on $20,000 versus $75,000, $20,000 for me are a lot more important. But let me tell you one thing about tithers. A tither cannot afford not to tithe. Someone who doesn't tithe says, I can't afford to tithe. It's backwards mentality. They don't understand this right here. I can't afford not to tithe. I need every single penny I make blessed. That's the mentality. Religious uh, giving has fallen 50% since 1990, and it continues to decline slightly. Uh, this is one I didn't put up there, but on average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to churches. This, this is the, the, the average, not every single person, but the average is most people give 2.5%, not 10%. But let's say all of us gave 2.5%. Well, it's going to seem like we got a lot coming in, but we are all falling way short of that 10%. I don't know what you give. I don't have enough time to do all the math for you. It's not my responsibility to sit here and make you give and force you to give. I can encourage you to give, and I can tell you why you should give. But that's up to you and God. And some of y'all shifting left and right a lot. Like, Does God care about the 10%? I think so. Because he said bring the whole tithe. I don't, want, I don't want that money in my account. You're like, Pastor Noe, well, you know, sometimes I get paid and it takes a while to get here on Sunday, so what do I do in the meantime? Man, there is this thing called online giving. 
You know what? Statistically, online giving is 80% of giving. Now, nobody writes checks and brings cash. We'll take checks. We'll still take cash. But most people give online. As soon as Pastor Noe gets paid, you know what I do? I said, okay, hey, it's hit the bank. All right. I get that out of my account. Because then you know what it taps me into immediately? Oh, I'm already in the offering category. So anything I give now is offering, but everything that I, that, that I, that for the rest of the year, it, it's, it's insure, it has the, the blessed assurance principle happening on it, and it's trusting God. Well, let's say at the end of the month, it got, got rough, and I was like, Lord, like, but then I always go back, but did I die? No. It was rough, but I made it. God was faithful. God will continually test your faith in all of those things. All right, one more statistic. It says 247 million U.S. citizens identify as Christians, but only 1.5 million tithe. Now, it don't matter if you're good at math or not. There is something staggeringly different about who gives and who doesn't, who believes in giving and who doesn't. The churches that are thriving and impacting the kingdom and are, are having families that are richly blessed, they are all tithing-based churches. Let me tell you something. If your church doesn't believe in tithing, I don't know how you keep the doors open. It's God's system that he put in place to take care of the church, to provide for everything they have need of. So generosity has to become a part of our lifestyle and when that happens, giving just becomes easier. The Bible gives us guidance on how to, to be financially successful in life. You know, my heart really is that you would be blessed in every single way. That we would be great financial managers. I would getting promotions, getting bonuses, getting all those things. But part of me as a pastor, if you cannot be faithful with what you already have, why would I pray that God would provide more increase? Why would God allow you to receive increase? I'm going to pray for you any way we look at it. But if there's something not working, we have to pay attention to what we are doing. Are we being obedient to what God has called us to do and called us to be? This book right here by Robert Morris, it's called The Blessed Life. I lost a little pretty deal on here. Like, I don't know what I did with it. Probably gave it away last year and I kept the ugly one for myself. But this is one of the best books on financial giving. Because God really desires us to live a blessed life. And there's an example that he uses in here that, that I'm really going to kind of kind of wrap up with, but kind of share because he talks about caring for the bride of Christ. And that's kind of what the tithe does. But it's like, this is how the story goes. It says, this guy, you know, he said, I had to go on an extended journey and I chose three men. For, for a special responsibility. And what he did, he, he said to these three men, I'm going to send each of you $10,000 every single month. And of that $10,000 that I send you, I need you to take care of my wife. Give my wife uh, $1,000. So you can keep $9,000, but give my wife 1000 So over the course of time, the manager came back and, and call, called his wife and said, Hey, honey, are you being taken care of? He said, Oh, well, yeah, kind of. Uh, the first one is sending me 1000 every single month, like you said. The second one is actually sending me 2000 I have no understanding why, but yeah, yeah, he's really taking care of my needs. But, but the last one, I, I really don't know why, but the, 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 the first month, you know, he sent 800 and, and, the, and the next month after that sent 300 and, and then the month after that, I just really haven't received anything. 
So what we see in this example is, is what's going to happen is that manager is going to quit sending the 10000 to the one that is not taking care of the bride. And he's going to take it and give it to that second one that was giving 2000 because he knows that he can trust them. You're like, what are you talking about? Just so happens the church is called the bride of Christ. So however you need to wrap your own, well, am I giving to you, pastor? Am I giving to harvest time? you got to see it as given to God. And you got to trust that we're hearing God in the stewardship of the finances. Maybe there's been people that have messed up your confidence in the church. Maybe you've heard too many horror stories. Well, you know they're taking that money. And they're, hey, I can vouch with my whole job on the line that we steward every penny we get. Faithfully, to the best of our ability, we want to say yes to a lot of opportunities as they present themselves. Now, I got a rule. If you don't tithe, you're not, I'm not going to tell you anything we do with the finances of the church. But if you ever have questions, hey, how are we doing? What are we doing? Where are we spending our money? I want to be able to tell you that. So what, how does this segue, what does this look like in our lives? Really, in this example, we see that that third man was really stealing from God. In that passage, in a way that says, will you rob me? Will you not do? But we realize that through this, by being generous, by giving what God has instructed us to, we take care of his bride. And those that go above and beyond, we see that they have the potential to be stewards of a whole lot. So The Blessed Life by, by Robert Morris, one of the best books that, that I've seen on, uh, on tithing and giving. You have to know that, that tithe is what unlocks financial blessing in your life. I believe that if you can't live on 90, you know, 90% of your income, uh, it's not the 10%'s fault. I'm just going to say that, and we'll touch base on that next week. Don't blame the tithe because you don't know how to manage the 90. But we want to help you learn to manage the 90 so that the 10 is a blessing to give. All right, Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. This is the last passage I'm going to share with you, but it says, listen to this. This passage does not make sense in a normal world. It says, there is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but yet it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Man, I live by this passage. Because it, we think that if we hold on to it, we will attain more. But yet God says the principle of scattering and releasing and giving and, and, and doing the principles that God says, that is what actually provides the increase. But it says, there is one that withholds more than is right. Now, in the lines of what we're talking about, that sounds like you holding on to the tithe. That's just where my mind goes. I'm holding on to more than right. I'm not giving God what's his. And it leads to poverty. That's Pastor Noe's summary of how that segues and how it applies with exactly what we're talking about this morning. So ask yourself this question. Why don't I tithe? If you're a tither, hey, man, you're off the hook. Keep doing it. But if you already tithe, ask God how you can begin to give offerings. Because I'll tell you what, this cup starts overflowing. Now we'll talk about retirement. We'll talk about planning for a rainy day. We'll talk about all that stuff next week. But when there becomes such an increase, God wants you doing something with that increase. But why, why don't I tithe? Se secondly, can you put those questions up there, that next slide? Why should I tithe? Or why don't I tithe? Uh, do, I, do I tithe faithfully? 
That's another thing. You say, yeah, I tithed like once. Anybody can tithe one time. But do you tithe faithfully? God's faithful to you every day. You think you just want God being faithful sometimes? Come on. You guys still love me? Nobody got up and left yet. Do you see tithe is optional? That will determine a lot. Because if you think it's optional, I mean, I don't know how you're supporting that. Well, under grace, okay. Go back and listen to this message because what, what, I, what I really believe is the tithe unlocks that financial breakthrough in your life. He says, test me in this. I dare you to do it. You know what Robert Morris does? And I've always thought about it. I said, Lord, I think I would do this. But like, uh, he says he will actually, if you commit to tithing faithfully and you do not see financial increase in your life, he will refund every single thing that you've given. It's a big church. That's some big faith. But he supports the, he supports the biblical tithe with a fine, financial refund option available. But I, I, I dare you to, t to test God. He has been faithful. This isn't just scripture. This is a testimony of Pastor Noe's life. I've never had an issue with the tithe. I, I'm getting caught up in, Lord, how do I give an offering now? Lord, what are you asking me? That's where I'm always thinking. Like, I mean, the tithe, it's, just, it's like a bill. I don't, I don't know how you need to see it. I just pay it. It's God's. I'm going to pay the cable bill I'm going to pay God's bill I don't know like I mean that's just how I've always seen it but I've always seen provision most of the time I didn't earn it and I didn't work for it it's just the goodness of God coming back twofold threefold a hundredfold back and I ain't stopping today I don't care Lord if I'm making millions may we always give God what's his so the tithe it's an act of obedience the offering is an act of generosity. A kingdom builder is one who gives generously to make a kingdom impact. Test the Lord in this because he wants you to. You guys stand up with me. Realize that an offering can only be given after the tithe has been met. That was one thing at Pastors University. They, really, they, they said, you, you've got to realize that people don't always understand that. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, t do you know that pastors hate taking up love offerings? You know why? Because the tithe dips. Why does the tithe dip, Pastor Noe? Because people take from the tithe pocket and they give it as an offering. Tithe is the lifeline of the church. If you can't afford to give an, an offer, or uh, if, you can't for, if you can't give your full tithe, please don't give an offering. But I believe that when you give the tithe, guess what? It provides the offering. The abundance of resources. How many of you this morning say, with all sincerity, God, if you made me wealthy, I would be faithful? How many of you this morning say, Lord, don't make me wealthy because I'm not being faithful? Don't raise your hand. I'm just like, God wants faithful people where we can just be the conduit that God provides the resources through. You know, everything that God gives us is a test. Finances is a big one, because that's your lifeline. 
you know, back in the day, they had corn, they had wheat, they had, they, they, they had a livelihood. Well, today, it's the dollar bill. It's what's in your bank account. That is your lifeline. You run out of money, it gets hard real quick. But we are to trust God. Tithing, it keeps your trust and confidence in God's provision for your life. Now, this morning, I'm not telling you to give. But I'm telling you to ask God what you should do how you should respond, that you would be led by the Spirit of God and be obedient to it. You know, we've talked about as a church really offering Financial Peace University. That is a, a financial plan by Dave Ramsey. It is phenomenal. Pastor Noe and Becky went through the whole thing. That's how we really overhauled our finances, got to the place of where we're at today. It was not fun getting to where we are at, where we are today. But where I'm at today, I'm glad I am where I am today versus where I was but there's steps. This next week, we're, this next Sunday, we're going to look at the practical things. I want you being blessed. I want you feeling like you have a hold on your finances rather than your finances grabbing you by the throat, strangling you. If you feel like that, there's still hope for you. Finances are just like anything else. You know what you got to do? Right here, look. Just surrender. Everybody close your eyes in the room real quick. If you just need help with that, you say, Lord, you've got to help me figure out how to do this finance thing. Just lift your hands towards heaven and say, God, I'm asking for provision and direction and an understanding of how to do it. Lord, I need your help. I've been more foolish, Lord, than I've been faithful. Father, I don't like any of this message that Pastor Noe told me, but I believe something in my spirit that it to be true. Father, show me what to do. And if you will yield your finances just like you yield every other area of your life, God will meet you right where you're at. And what does he say in that passage? He says, see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven. Pour out good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It will run over. It will be poured into your lap. But remember that last part. For with the measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. So, Father, I pray a blessing over every individual in this building. Father, you know where their finances are at. You know where their faith is at. You know where their heart is at. If we can't trust you with our finances, can we even trust you? It's a good measuring stick, Lord. So, Father, I pray that today that we would, our faith would grow in our confidence in you. Lord, as, as they leave this place, Lord, that you would uh, bless them in every way, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, ways they know about, ways they don't. Father, I pray over Harvest Time Church that we would be a very generous church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you say, Pastor Noe, I don't even know this Jesus thing. You're asking me to give money to somebody I don't even know. It makes absolutely no sense to you. And, and you say, I've got to get my, right, my life right with the Lord. I've got prayer teams available. If you guys can go ahead and make your ways, way up. Or this morning, if you say, hey, there's a specific need that I came looking for. And I, I didn't really, you know, you talked about finances and tithing, but I really wanted prayer for this. We have teams available for you.
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.